I want to express a big word of appreciation to the many, the many of our Rosewood Church of the Nazarene family members and people here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, who have been getting vaccinated against COVID-19. It is making a big difference. How and why do you say that, Pastor Nick? Well, very simply, a few months ago in Ontario, the province of Ontario here, we had uh, over 4,000 new infections of COVID every day, over 4,000, 4,500, 4,600. And now the experts tell us primarily because of people getting vaccinated now in Ontario, we are averaging about 150 new infections per day of COVID. So we've gone from over 4,000 down to 150 uh, approximately per day. And so I just say congratulations to you folks who are part of our Rosewood Church of the Nazarene family and to the many, many others across Toronto and Ontario and Canada who have been getting those, uh, th those vaccinations that are proving to be so helpful. All right, and if you haven't yet gotten vaccinated, please go ahead and do so. Thank you. Well, the theme of today's message is love does that. Love does that. Yes, another potential title could be Practical Ways of Showing Love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 and 5 tell us of what love should do. And here is what those two lovely verses say. If you can see it on your screen, why don't you read them with me? This is the New Living Translation. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It, always, it is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Actually, I read down to verse 7, in case some of you are wondering. All right. Now, obviously, the first part... Uh, verse 4 says, love is patient and kind. We studied those simple but powerful truths in a previous message, which I called A Blast from the Past, Part 2. So we won't spend uh, much time on those first uh, two truths today. A minister, a minister who heard that message phoned me up and told me, that the examples and the illustrations I gave about patience and kindness were a, a real big help, were a real big help, which I was obviously pleased to hear. If you did not hear that message, I encourage you to listen or view it this coming week sometime. All right? Go to uh, our website and see how you can connect to it. All right. Remember now, verse 4 says, love is patient. And of course, a definition of patient uh, is bearing pains or trials calmly or without complaint. How are you and I doing with that? All right? And then the verse says, love is 
kind. Love is kind. All right. We go now further into verse 4, which says, Love is not jealous. Love is not jealous. The King James Version, translation from 1611, says, Charity envieth not. Some of you are familiar with that um, King James Version. Charity envieth not. My friends, there is the jealousy which sometimes covets what someone else has. Such jealousy or envy can be very difficult to avoid because it is what? It is a very human thing. Still, we must overcome it, right? We must overcome it. Uh, the kind of jealousy or, or envy which is really bad is the kind where a person grudges, grudges the very fact that others have what they have. Then there are some people who don't necessarily want something for themselves. Oh boy. But they wish that others wouldn't have it other, uh, either. And that, that's, called, that's called meanness of soul or meanness of spirit. Have you known someone like that? No names, no names, please, okay? If you've been like that, for whatever reasons, if you've wrestled with jealousy, you won't be after today because you are discovering what God's Word says, and that is, love is not jealous. Love is not jealous. Amen? Verse 4 then further tells us, love is not boastful. Love is not boastful or proud. That's how the New Living Translation puts it. The King James Version says, charity, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. In case you are wondering why the Apostle Paul was saying to the people in Corinth, Love is not boastful or proud. It was because the Corinthians had been bragging. They had been bragging about their spiritual gifts. Yes. Well, God wants all of us to have a good deal of self-worth, self-esteem. At the same time, the Lord doesn't want you or me to be boastful or overly proud of whatever abilities and accomplishments the Lord has made possible for us, for you and for me. In fact, in fact, Proverbs 16, verse 5 says, the Lord detests the proud. And so, my friends, love is not boastful or proud. It is not boastful or proud. Does anyone need, perhaps, anyone need a, a course correction in this department of your life? What about it? As we move into verse 5, we discover that love is not rude. The King James Version says, Charity doth not behave itself unseemly. Now the truth is, 
Some people take delight in being blunt and almost brutal. You know what I mean? I told you before of how, I don't know, some years ago, I crossed paths. I crossed paths with a lady I hadn't seen in about 20 or 22 years. And the first thing she said to me was, Oh, Pastor Nick, you've become fat. Now, I, I used to be super skinny. In fact, I used to be too skinny. Sometimes when I've seen pictures of myself when I was a teenager and in my 20s, I thought, what was the matter with me? You know, I look so skinny. Anyway, she said, oh, Pastor Nick, you become fat. Well, I, I had to remember. I had to remember what? I had to remember that love is what? Patient. Love is patient, right? Love is patient. Yeah. Some people say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just so straightforward with everybody and I tell it like it is. That's just the way I am. You know someone like that? Could it be? Could it be that is just not the way God wants you to be because love is not rude? Are you with me now? All right? Love is not rude when we are driving our cars, our vehicles, whatever kind of vehicle you drive. Recently, just last week, I bought a couple of things from our nearby Canadian Tire store. And as I was about to get into my vehicle to leave the parking lot, I noticed, I noticed three other vehicles pulled out from their parking spaces about the same time. The vehicle in front was a big pickup truck. It's totally fine. The car behind the pickup was a small car, and then the third vehicle was kind of a mid-sized car. All right? Now, there was nothing out of the ordinary of seeing the three vehicles, one behind the other, until the driver of the small second car honked his horn. He honked his horn at the driver in the big pickup truck in front of him. Now, I don't know why he honked his, his horn. I don't know. The only reason I can figure is that he maybe thought the pickup truck was taking too long to drive off. That's the only thing I could figure. There was, there was nothing, there was nothing preventing the pickup driver from driving off, but he perhaps deliberately remained stopped after the guy honked at him. He perhaps deliberately remained stopped, probably because he was bugged. He was bugged about the guy uh, behind him honking his horn at him. And then the driver of the third car in the line decided to honk his horn at the guy in the little car who was behind the pickup truck. Then the person in car number two stuck his hand and finger out the window and made a very rude, rude sign, rude gesture to car number three. A car number three driver didn't like that and so he stuck his hand and finger out his window and made a comparable, very rude sign 
back to car number two. And meanwhile, meanwhile, at the head of the line, Mr. Pickup Driver seemed to be playing, I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. So I watched, I watched the three cars, and I was trying to figure out how I could diffuse the situation before things got worse. I was concerned that some of those guys were going to get out of their cars and get into a fight, and I thought, okay, Lord, what's the best thing for me to do here now to help? Fortunately, fortunately, car number two decided to step on the gas and went around the pickup truck driver, and the uh, pickup truck the operator then decided he would stop playing, I shall not be moved. He, he drove off, and car number three drove off, and hopefully they lived happily ever after. Now, as I look back upon that incident, I think of, I think of how all three drivers were R-U-D-E. All three drivers were rude to each other for no reason at all. And it could have turned into a big, big mess. The situation became very tense, all because of rudeness. Rudeness. God says, love is not rude, no matter who we are. One Bible scholar says, there is a graciousness in Christian love which never forgets that courtesy and tact and politeness are lovely things. Isn't that beautiful? There's a graciousness in Christian love which never forgets that courtesy and tact and politeness are lovely things. Wow. Oh, by, by, by the way, have any of you noticed my lovely haircut this week? Huh? Anyone notice? I finally got a haircut. My wife cut my hair nicely the last time, but I finally got to a barber this past week. I know some of you are thrilled, and others of you, who cares? <laughs> right? Anyway, anyway, my friends, there is also a type of rudeness which some people don't think about. You're going to think about this after I tell you about it. Before COVID began in Toronto in March 2020, here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene, we regularly held funeral services involving 400 to 700 people, sometimes less, sometimes more. Now, usually, either our associate minister, Reverend Dr. Lisa Otar, or I officiated the funerals. Sometimes guest ministers officiated. We've always tried to be helpful to people in our community, outside of our church, and to other churches which perhaps had buildings or have buildings uh, that could accommodate, let's say, only 100 or 200 or 300 people, and they knew that they needed a larger sanctuary for, for the funeral service or sometimes weddings, whatever. On several occasions, uh, we, we have held large funerals where people arrived in very expensive cars. Now, you've got to stick with me here. Okay, folks arrived in very expensive cars, like 
Mercedes and Audis and Range Rovers and Cadillacs and BMWs and Lexus and Jaguar and Infiniti and Acura and other very expensive cars. I mean, um, I've seen our parking lot where it was just filled with these expensive vehicles. Uh, our, our car parking lot here was, was, was full of high-end cars plus, of course, some moderately priced vehicles. Now, most of the people who came out of those high-end cars were dressed fantastically, all right? The folks from the regular, you know, the more common cars, they were dressed fantastically too. But I'm saying the, the, the folks from the high-end cars, they were dressed fantastically. The men wore, wore top-notch suits and shiny shoes, you know, causing me many times to think, okay, Pastor Nick, you got to start to look more spiffy yourself, you know, that kind of thing. The, the women, the women wore beautiful, outstanding dresses or fantastic pantsuits and uh, uh, just really looked super sharp. And they, they came across, they came across as, as very classy people, okay? Really classy people. And, and I, have, I have no problem with how they were dressed. I hope you understand that. I admired them. I had no problem with the very expensive cars, which most of them seemed to drive. That was okay. I was not jealous, okay? I was not jealous. I was happy for them. The funeral services went well. The funeral services went well. We honored and celebrated the life of the deceased person, and we offered comfort and help from God's holy word. After the service was done, we, we headed to the cemetery for the burial. Hundreds returned uh, to the church fellowship hall for the reception. Stick with me now. It wasn't, it wasn't <clears throat> until all the guests left the reception, after they left the funeral reception, that I was shocked. Someone asked me to go outside. This is after everyone had left. Maybe it was our caretaker, I can't remember, several times. Someone asked me to go outside of our church building. And I looked across our large parking lot where the many Mercedes and Audis and Range Rovers and Cadillacs and BMWs and Lexus and Jaguars and Infinities and Acuras had been parked for the funeral service and for the reception. I looked across, and I was shocked. What did I see? Could any of you imagine what I saw? Some of you who have been here are telling me what I saw. I saw, this is not exaggerating, I saw a sea, S-E-A, I saw a sea of garbage. In the morning, the parking lot was clean. After the funeral service, after the reception, everyone left, there was a huge sea of garbage. The first time it happened, I couldn't believe it. Really, I couldn't believe it. There were Tim Horton's coffee trays and cups all over the place. 
There were McDonald's and Wendy's garbage bags all over the parking lot and, and uh, other companies. Uh, there were chocolate bar and gum wrappings and beer cans and beer bottles and all kinds of other garbage all over the parking area. There, there were cigarette ashtrays that had been dumped here and there as well as dirty diapers, dirty diapers thrown in, onto the parking lot uh, along with some some unmentionables thrown onto the parking lot. I was shocked. I remember thinking how classy those funeral guests looked and how beautiful and shiny their cars were. But when I saw the big mess of garbage they left in the parking lot, I thought, sorry folks, but you really don't have any class. You don't have any class. You know, I thought, why couldn't you keep your garbage and throw it in your garbage bin at home or just carry it into the church here and put it in the many garbage bins we have in the building? Why would you dump all your garbage over this huge parking lot? Some of you are thinking I'm exaggerating, and I'm not. I didn't want our caretaker, of course, to have to clean up the parking lot on his own. So I said, Brother Roy, let's get garbage bags and whatever else we need, and let's clean up this mess. Now, what does that story have to do with love is not rude? Love is not rude. Well, my friends, I don't know about you, but throwing garbage onto a church parking lot like that or into anyone's parking lot is rude, rude, rude. Can you say it with me? Rude, rude, rude. There is no excuse for it whether a person drives a $1,000 car or a $100,000 car. By the way, just so our regular Rosewood Church worshipers don't wonder, don't wonder, this garbage dumping issue has not happened, okay? It has not happened with any funerals or weddings that we've held for regular Rosewood Church families. So I don't want any of our regular Rosewood folk to wonder, oh, Pastor Nick, was that, was that when we held the funeral of your relative or your friend, okay? Now, I know some of you are probably going to send me a message. Some of you are going to send me a message saying, Pastor Nick, when people from a funeral drop garbage like that, you should send them a bill. Send a bill to the immediate family for parking lot cleanup costs. Uh, I could not do that. We could not do that. Why? Because that would also be rude. Right? That would be rude. Friends, whether you park at a church or at a Walmart, at a major shopping center or a small plaza, don't leave your garbage behind. Don't leave your garbage behind. Love is not rude. I didn't really want to bring up this example, but I thought, you know what? Sometimes a pastor has to say some things you don't really want to say, okay? 
And hopefully what I've said will also help the Walmart, the Walmart down the road where it looks, looks bad at the end of each day because of people throwing garbage out there. All right. Verse 5 goes on. And it goes on to tell us what? What else? Love does not demand its own way. That's what it says. Love does not demand its own way. Verse 5. Now the King James Version says, Love seeketh not her own. Love seeketh not her own. <clears throat> so, are you always demanding your own way? Are you always demanding your own way at home, at work, at school, at the grocery store, when you are driving at the church? Are you? My friends, there, there are two kinds of people. Those who always insist upon their rights and privileges and those who always remember their responsibilities. There are those people who are always thinking of what life owes them and those who never forget what they owe to others. Which person are you? Which one are you? One of the key solutions to so many of life's family problems, conflicts, and international wars would be for you and me to think, to think less of our rights and more of our responsibilities. Right? Think more of our, of our responsibilities rather than thinking of our rights all the time. I mean, this is why there, there, there have been, and there still are protests across the world in different countries. Well, my right is I don't, I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want to wear a mask. Look, the mask prevents the spread of COVID. Wear a mask. Don't protest and, and cause chaos and riots over it. My friends, this week, in your, in, your, in your home, in our marriages, at work, at church, at school, wherever, while shopping, while driving, let's remember, love does not demand its own way. All right? Then verse 5 tells us, love is not irritable. Love is not irritable. All right, stick with me. The, uh, that's the New Living Translation. The King James Version says, love is not easily provoked. Or the New International Version says, <clears throat> it is not easily angered. The dictionary defines irritable as to provoke impatience anger. Now I believe this truth is talking about two sides of the same coin. One side is that love does not let yourself get easily and quickly irritated 
and angry with people. The other side of the coin is we need to be careful not to accidentally or deliberately irritate other people. Right? I remember how when our, our two children were, were young, they're still young, uh, they're young adults now, and they, they sat in the second row of the vehicle. Uh, they sometimes, in fact too often, they sometimes liked to repeatedly kick the chair in front of them. Do you remember that, Cindy? They just kicked the chair. Just, you know, kick, 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 kick. Now, it used to, it used to irritate me having someone kick my chair. Does it bother any of you if someone behind you is kicking your chair all the time while you're driving? If you're normal, it probably bothers you, right? And on the airplane, that's right, that's right. I haven't experienced that uh, very much on the airplane. So uh, when, I, when I would say, when I would say, Amy or Jeremy, please don't kick my chair, they stopped, they obeyed and they stopped. Then they would say, sorry daddy, I, I forgot. On the next trip, they forgot again. They forgot again. Uh, now, what's interesting now is that when I drive, when I drive our grandchildren somewhere, they have carried, they have carried on their parents' tradition. Yeah, they've carried on the parents' tradition of kicking the back of my driver's chair in the vehicle. Like mother and father, like, like son or daughter, okay? My friends, when you are irritable, you are likely to become more frustrated, upset, or angry more easily. That's you, that's me. Okay, what causes irritability in many of us? All right, I want you to follow me on this because... Uh, what, what I'm about to say I really think is going to help many of you. You've probably never thought of these truths that I'm just going to share with you now. You've probably never heard about them much, uh, if any, uh, at all. Okay, What causes irritability in many of us? All right. Um, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping you're going to end up saying, wow, now I better understand why my husband or wife, son or daughter, friend or coworker, why they are sometimes so irritable. Uh, you will also better comprehend why sometimes you yourself are irritable and a pain, okay? So here are some of the causes of irritability. One is noise, N-O-I-S-E. When I was in high school, university, and seminary, I had a lot of homework to do every day, every day. Okay? Now, I could not study if the television was on or if my two brothers and sister were, were noisy in the house. I just couldn't study. Uh, if there was a lot of noise, I became irritable. I became irritable and I begged whomever was, was watching TV to please not have the volume too loud. I, I just couldn't study. I couldn't think. Uh, how many of you were, were like me? How many of you here in the sanctuary, we just have our technical team, basically. How many of you were, were like me, needing, needing quiet while studying? How many of you? Okay, yeah, about half of you, okay. And 
The other half, you probably were happy to have noise all over the place, right? Okay. Uh, I did have some friends, I did have some friends who, who told me they studied much better if the TV was on. I thought that was weird. I just couldn't understand that, you know? How, did that, how, how could they do that? I didn't know. Uh, some of you here probably also study well if the TV is on or if there's a lot of noise. About that is not me. Uh, at our church, at our church here, my, my office is next door to our associate minister's office, you know, Reverend Dr. Lisa Autar. And, and sometimes, sometimes Pastor Lisa has these wild parties in her office uh, when I'm trying to write these sermons, you know. And, and, and I have to go, I have to go over to Pastor Lisa's office and say, my friend, can you please cut the noise? I can't think. <laughs> of course, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Pastor Lisa is not a pain. She's a pleasure. Say amen, Pastor Lisa. All right. Okay. The only, the, only time, the only time her office gets noisy is on occasion when she is doing premarital counseling. The, the bride and the groom have so much fun. They have so much fun learning uh, the lessons that, that they, they laugh and they have a, a real good time. Most of you don't know this, but uh, Pastor Lisa and I have a lot of fun teaching the premarital, uh, premarital classes to, to couples in preparation for their weddings. Okay, noise can cause some people to be irritable in your home, at work, at school, with your neighbors, and at church, and at church, okay? Um, you know, if Pastor Lisa's up here preaching or I'm up here preaching and, and someone is back there just deliberately talking away, guess what? Causes us to be irritable. Or maybe I should just speak for myself. Uh, I'll just speak for myself. I'll let Pastor Lisa speak for herself, okay? Um, my friends, if noise, if noise is causing you to be more irritable, lovingly talk with a person or persons causing the noise and try to find a solution. That often has to happen with neighbors as well, right? All right. Here are some other big factors that often contribute to being irritable. Are you with me? Okay, you're here. All right, here's some other factors. Fatigue, fatigue, that is being tired. Stress and anxiety. Uh, sleep deprivation. If you're deprived of sleep. Have you noticed? Have you noticed how when you are really tired and or you are going through a very stressful situation and you are sleep deprived, you are often inclined to be more irritable and more easily angered? Have you noticed? And I know my wife is thinking, yeah, I sure noticed that, my husband. Right? On Friday evening, on Friday evening of this week, I was spending a little time in someone's backyard, not far from where we live, spending some t a little time in someone's backyard uh, with our, our son, his wife, uh, their, their two children, and our daughter's two children. Uh, they've been a part of our bubble, as we call it, our COVID bubble. Well, my wife was at the church Friday evening leading our youth program 
and I discovered that uh, the youth had a fantastic time this Friday evening. Thank you, Cindy, uh, and, and the youth who took part. It was just a great time for all of them. And they practiced social distancing, but uh, they were finally able to you know, see one another. They've been online most Friday evenings. Anyway, at one point when we were in this little backyard, at one point my, my son said to his wife, he said, uh, honey, what are we going to do for supper? And his wife said, oh, I don't know. I don't know. We didn't plan anything. Then I spoke up and I said, well, I said, uh, we have some sausages and buns uh, and, a, and a steak and vegetables at our home if you want to have supper at our place. That sounded great to them and they voted whether, whether they're going to have supper uh, come over to our place or at their place, wherever, sounded great to them, so they came over. I hurried, I hurried home to get the barbecue going and to boil water for corn on the cob and green beans and all those good things. As I was rushing, as I was rushing to get the food ready, our four-year-old granddaughter and seven-year-old grandson said, Dedho, that's the Macedonian word for grandfather, they said, Dedho, we want to help. I thought, well, that's nice, that's great, you know, it's wonderful to see little kids helping, right? So I said, I said to the one, please put out the plates and the knives and the forks. And I said to the other, please put, a, put the placemats, put out the placemats and the napkins. To my surprise, each of the children said, Dedho, I want to help but I don't want to do that. I said, children, you told me you want to help, and that's where I need help. They said, but that's not what we want to do. They were being picky. They were being picky about what they would help with. Just like a lot of times folks in church will say, oh, I want to help in the church, pastor. I want to help, I want to help. And then when we make this suggestion or that suggestion, oh, no, I don't want to do that, 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 I don't want to do that. Want to do that. Right? These kids were being picky about what they would help with. Uh, to be honest with you, I had to be very careful not to get upset with them because I was very tired mainly because the night before I did not get a decent sleep. And then I was rushing, I was rushing to cook up a nice meal for the seven of us so that they could get home by, by 7.30 p.m. for their bedtime, the kids' bedtime. And, and here, they were being picky about how they would like to help. My fatigue and lack of sleep resulted in me being more irritable. Now, I don't think the children or their parents realized how much <laughs> I was irritated by their pickiness uh, as to how they would help. Hopefully they didn't notice, I didn't ask. Fatigue, stress, and lack of sleep can make any of us more irritable. Is that true? It sure is. Now, here, here are some other regular causes of irritability. Okay, here, here they are. Pain, pain caused by things like ear infections and toothaches and the flu and fevers and headaches and migraines and kidney stones and emotional 
pain. And those of you who have babies and little children, I'm sure you, you've noticed how, how your child has become irritable if, if they have an ear infection or a tummy ache, right? You've noticed that? Now some of you have probably noticed how a person became more irritable when they were trying to quit smoking. And they were trying to quit smoking. Nicotine withdrawal can be an issue. Furthermore, caffeine, caffeine withdrawal can also cause a person to become more irritable. People who have been told to stop drinking so much coffee or tea that has caffeine. That sometimes results in irritability. Sometimes irregular menstrual cycles or menopause or hot flashes, hormonal imbalance can also contribute to a woman's irritability. And some of you husbands are thinking, I could have told you that, Pastor Nick. Right? Now most of you, most of you are probably not aware of this, but people with a, with a bipolar disorder often experience irritability. Low blood pressure can also lead to irritability. Wow, all these factors. Perfectionism. Perfectionism can also result in irritability. Why? Because if you are a perfectionist, it is difficult for you to be content with whatever you accomplish, and it is difficult for you to be satisfied with whatever someone else does, because it can what? It can always be done better. If that isn't enough, you could also experience irritability as a side effect of medication that a person is taking. Okay, why, why did I go through this lengthy uh, list, the, these causes of irritability. Here's why. Hopefully, as I spoke of the different causes, you said to yourself, wow, wow, now I better understand what causes my own irritability. And hopefully, as I spoke, you have gained a better understanding of why and when your husband, wife, child, friend, coworker, schoolmate, whomever, is irritable. My friend, the best way to treat irritability is to address its underlying cause. For example, for example, if the underlying cause is fatigue and sleep deprivation, then you and I have to find ways of getting more rest and more or better sleep. Right? If your irritability or mine is because of an ear infection or a toothache or some other health issue, then get the medical attention you need to deal with the underlying cause. When I was preparing for this message, I noticed something which I had not seen before, and it is this. The New Living Translation Bible in 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says, it love is not irritable, okay? I noticed, I noticed that the Living Bible says, the Living Bible, the paraphrase says, it is not irritable or touchy. It is not irritable or touchy. Now, what is the definition of touchy? Well, if you look up the word touchy, the dictionary says 
touchy is oversensitive and irritable, requiring careful handling, delicate. Do you know someone who is touchy? When I was in seminary in Kansas City, I attended a wonderful Sunday school and uh, church services at First Church of the Nazarene. Before our Sunday school lesson started, I always tried to welcome and talk with each person in our class who came to, to study the Word of God that morning. There was a young man, there was a young man who started coming to our class, and I'll, I'll just call him John. That wasn't his real name, okay? Every Sunday, John uh, would come, and when he came to our Sunday school class, I went up to him, I went up to him with a, with a big smile to welcome him, to see how his week went, to encourage him, and invite him to any social events that our Sunday school class had planned. And I quickly found out that he was very touchy about everything. No matter, no matter what I said, John found something wrong in what I said. Have you met people like that? If I said, if I said, John, you look great, he would say maybe, why? Do you have a problem with how I look on other Sundays? Uh, if I said, John, it's wonderful to have you in the class with us studying the Holy Bible, he would say, why? Do you think I'm too stupid to study the Bible? No matter what I or others in the class ever said to him, it never seemed to be the right thing. I was walking on eggshells every Sunday. I tried for months to connect with him, to, to get to know him to be his friend, but eventually, in all honesty, I gave up. I gave up. There was probably some reason why John was so touchy, but to be honest with you, I never discovered why he was the way he was. Is there a John in your life? Are you a John? Are you a John? If so, I encourage you to pray, to pray and ask God to help you be victorious over your oversensitive nature. Yes, pray and say, God, God, I need your help. You know? It might be, it might be that God might want to use a good counselor to, to help you. That's right. Sometimes God uses other people to help us. Maybe you need a good counselor to help you. I would very highly, I highly recommend to you Reverend Arnie Grace Sandy, who is not only an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene, but she is also a licensed counselor. Her fees are reasonable, and if you call our Rosewood Church office, we can give you her telephone number. She, in fact, has an office here in our church building. A, a client of hers recently was speaking with me and told, and told me how she was, that client was just incredibly, incredibly helped by Reverend Arnie Grace Sandy's counseling and, and guidance and comfort. Maybe a counselor can help you like Pastor Arnie Grace Sandy. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5 says, Love is not 
irritable. Let's you and I do our very best to overcome irritability. Amen? Let's do what we need to do to overcome irritability. My friends, let's pause there. I say to you, love does that. Love does that. Love does what? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful or proud. Love is not rude. Love, is, love does not demand its own way. And love is not what? Love is not irritable. Beloved, beloved, how can you and I be filled and equipped to carry out this kind of love? I've said this in the last two messages. Galatians 5.22 tells us, but the fruit of the Spirit is a love. And 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8 declare, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Let us pray. Lord, love does that and more. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for these practical ways of showing love. And fill our lives, fill our hearts with your love, so that indeed we can love the way you have described for us here and beyond in this passage of the Holy Bible. Inspire and work in our hearts. Come, Lord, fill our hearts with your love. And Lord, we know that the starting point, the starting point is for us to seek forgiveness, forgiveness of our sins. And how good it is to know that we can be forgiven of our sins because Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And so today, Lord, some of us seek your forgiveness of our sins. And we believe, we believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Thank you for paying the price for our sins. You showed the greatest love on the cross of Calvary for us. Now, Lord, we seek, we seek your holy presence and your Holy Spirit. Fill our hearts with your love. Let it be so, Lord. Fill us with your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.